Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. The first thing that you should always ask yourself is what am I trying to achieve? What is the point of this? Sure, it might be a great reel. It might be the best looking photograph. It might be a really cool blog post. But what am I trying to achieve by putting this out in the world? And if you don't have an answer to what you're trying to achieve, then you shouldn't be putting it out there in the world. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials. Today, I have Meg on the podcast all the way from Australia, so it's late for her right now. Excited to have her on. Uh, Meg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be chatting with you. I want to start a, the conversation just with a little background. How did you get into marketing? Well, I am one of those people that kind of knew it was what I wanted to do always. I went to school and at first I was going to get a degree in public relations and then I switched to advertising. And it was just, I don't know, I've ever since I was a kid, I've loved advertising and, and just been involved with it. And then when I graduated, that's when I moved to Australia and I sort of fell into marketing by default in that I was working for different um, hospitality venues and working for backpacker bars and things like that. So I had to put my skills to use and I just realized it was what I loved and it, that morphed and then that morphed into social media. I love the story. I love that you ended up in Australia too. It's one of my favorite places. So I'm glad you're, you're there. But I want to get into the conversation. We talked a little bit before the podcast about the issue going in marketing right now that a lot of marketers have shiny object syndrome. Could you go into what you're seeing right now with marketers and what they should be doing? Definitely. Look, it is very much pot kettle black. I mean, I am I am the first one to jump on the new platforms. I am the first one to be excited by all of the new things and have to claim my username and do all of that. I think with, with the launch of Threads, it was really sort of just like this turning point. And maybe Threads was a little bit different because businesses didn't need to jump on and claim their username. Like the username was safe from squatting because it's the same as your Instagram name. So there wasn't that same massive urge for brands to get involved the way there is on the new platforms to that same degree. But it just, it gave me, and remember, I'm user 9,601. So this is very much like I'm making fun of myself for this. I was very much on threads right away. But we just, we there's these new platforms that we go and we jump and we get all excited, you know, and there were people that were like putting strategies out for these platforms on day one. And it's like, guys, can we chill for a minute and not live out over absolutely everything new? Can we actually just like, pause for a minute and think about how these platforms are going to help us or these new things, not necessarily platforms, but like how these new things are actually going to help us and if it's worthwhile our time. Because I don't know about you, but I'm I'm tired, <laughs> right? I work in social media. I think a lot of it comes down to pressure from other sources. So how do you, how do your marketers deal with that? Because a lot of it, 
social media managers want to be inspired. And the other side of it is people get pressure like from their boss or the head of marketing. Hey, threads just come out. Why don't we have a username yet? Why don't we, why haven't we posted on there yet? So what are, how are marketers supposed to be dealing with that? Yeah, totally. We get it all the time. Like, why haven't we gone viral on TikTok yet? Or why aren't we doing this? Or why aren't we doing that? Our competitors are. Look, I'm my own boss. So it is a little bit easier for me to say this, you know, and I have staff. So I tell them what to do as opposed to staff trying to, to stand up to me. But I also, I have really good relationships with my clients. And I know that they, they engage us for a reason. And so they trust us for our opinion. Now, if it's something that they really want us to do, of course, we'll do it. But it's up to us to be responsible and to go, do you know what? Like, I actually don't think that that fits into the current strategy. And not just the current strategy in the, in the way that we traditionally think about things, but like, we need to look at all of it, right? So if we go and we put all of our energy into this new shiny thing, well, where are we diverting energy from? Right, Because unless our clients are going to start paying us more money so we can have more staff or our bosses are going to give us more resources, we are going to be diverting energy from one thing to the other. So that's fine. We can divert that. But what do you want less of? And I think that's what we sort of have to talk to our, talk to our bosses about. You know, it's sometimes like when you get those clients that go, sure, you know, can you do this for half off? And you're like, sure, I can do half the project. What half would you like me to, to cut? And I know that that's easier said than done, but I think that this is where marketing managers, social media managers, you know, people in our industry, we have to do things to earn the respect, right? But we're not respected well enough. And it is that catch-22, but I think we do need to push back and we know, no, look, these are the reasons why I don't think that that is a really good idea for us right now. Now, of course, you're my boss, you're my client. If you want me to do it, I will do it. But I don't think, you know, and this is what I said, for example, for, for one of our government clients, I said, well, there's no social listening on this platform. There's no reporting. There's no this. There's no that. There's no way to measure anything. There's no way to archive. And for them, that was enough to go do, you know what? This doesn't have the the things that we need for us to have a presence on. So marketing managers, digital marketing managers, any of us, we need to go, you know what? I was smart. I'm in my position for a reason. And I need to have faith in what I believe in. And here's why. I think if you're ready dominating one or two platforms and doing a great job on those platforms and now you're diverting energy to something new you can't be a plus at more and more platforms like if you if you if you like you said if you're diverting energy to this so now if i'm going to go pick up threads that means the two channels that i'm well known on have an audience on are going to get less attention so less people are going to pay attention to us and that could actually ruin a lot of things. But I think my theory is that it's okay for a person who doesn't have a dominant channel and was like, okay, I want to have something to like be dominant on. So let me just try threads because like Instagram is not working for me right now, whatever. Maybe it's a strategy, but it's okay for some. This ways where shiny objects is worked as early in the platform normally means like, the people who are early on Instagram are big now. The people on TikTok are early who are big now. Sometimes there's an advantage. Yeah. But that's where I think the threads was different. It was just, the, and there was this turning point because, yeah, historically, it has been the first ones to be on the platform are the most successful, you know, because you were there first. You just gain more followers. The algorithms favor you. 
Um, you just, you have more opportunity to grow with fewer people there. So th- there has been, but it's not necessarily just platforms. I think, you know, we get caught up in new tools. I think we get caught up in, in new things, you know, you know, the, the hot topic at the moment, generative AI. Now AI is going to actually make our jobs better. Like sometimes a simple spreadsheet is all you need. Call me old. I will take that. But sometimes we really, truly overcomplicate things. And all you really need, like, is a spreadsheet to solve your problems. I think we are in an era now where a lot of people forget for forgetting the fundamentals and the basics of marketing. And they're going, they're thinking a tool is going to so help my revenue. A new platform is going to help my revenue. But they forget, okay, I need to go maybe talk to more customers to understand my audience better. Maybe I need to put out better content than I'm doing right now. Maybe I need to invest in things that my audience will actually want to pay attention to or understand where they're hanging out. Go to the basics. And then once you figure out the basics, then you can start adding on little things to improve the basics. I think a lot of people think of it's like, you forget the basics and just go do AI or go do a tool, but you need the basics to be able to layer these tools on to make be able to make it better. That's what these tools are for, to be make things better, not easier. Yeah, totally agree. You know, like I always tell people, like you don't build the second story when the first story is not stable. And I think what you said about basics is is so true. So many of us forget those core fundamentals. And I talk to a lot of kids these days, young students, you know, kids getting ready to go into into uni and they're going, oh, I'm going to study social media. And I say, don't study social media. It changes too fast. Go study human behavior and psychology and English and history and, and understand why people behave the way they do. That'll get you so much farther in marketing than knowing what the latest tool can do. You can take a 30 minute course on that for free. The platforms provide it. And a lot of times we actually, it's exactly what you said, we forget about our customers and what they really want. We get caught up in what we want rather than what they want. A lot of it is stressors from other people, but I think one of the most competitive advantages, and I've been in a lot of marketing teams, is just when you get down to saying, okay, hey, we have all this stuff going around us, but what are the marketing team's three to five top goals this quarter or this year that align to the business goals? And then how can we align our our strategies, whether you're a social media manager, a demand gen manager, how can we layer it to the marketing goals and just simplify things? But it all starts with a great leader simplifying this because if a leader is all over the place and the social media manager is going to be all over the place, and but you as a social media manager could say, hey, hey, we need to focus on X, Y, and Z if we want to be the best at these things. You hired me for a reason. I'm great at social media. This is my expertise. Like, let me take control. I know it's hard to do that, but like they hired you for a reason because you know social media. Uh, Yeah, and I think that we need to, you know, respectfully say that to our bosses. But, you know, have a little faith in me. Give me enough rope to hang myself, basically let me try it, you know, and maybe, maybe don't let me try on the biggest campaign of the year, but let me try on the small campaign and and I'll, and I'll prove it to you and I'll get my wins. 
You know, and I think that that's important for all of us as as marketing managers to document those wins, however big or small they are. My favorite marketing managers are the ones that work on this, that are are the marketing managers of one, right? That have the smallest budgets, that have no team, and have figured out how to be scrappy and achieve so much as opposed to the marketing manager that's a team of 50. And yes, they're very good at what they do, but they're also very narrow in what they do. It's still good. Sometimes good. I mean, like, I think as a manager, like your skill, if you're great at one thing, you've proved something that you're great at. And then that's why a great manager hires people to do the other things that they're not good at. Yeah. When you get a new client, how do you think about, like, what are the first couple of things you do with a new client when they come in and say, hey, I want you to run my social or like, I want you to take over X, Y, and Z channels? Like, how do you... How do you approach the situation? Well, for us, you know, it's really important to have sort of that learning period to have sort of the the first two weeks at least of just learning, getting access to things, reading your marketing plan, reading your business plan, your strategic plan. Like we always tell our clients, inundate us with information. The more information that you can give us, the better. Even if you don't think that it's important, send it to us. We want to read. We want to know everything about your business. Because then we can really get a proper holistic view of it, right? It's not just what you're telling us. Like we want to, we want to see it. And then we do the research, you know, if it's a social client, I mean, so my agency focuses on tourism and hospitality. So we, we know the clients in our space. We know the competitors in our space, but we'll do a quick competitor analysis and we'll do an audit of all your social channels and make sure that, you know, A, that you're set up correctly and then everything is linked correctly and from your website, then it all flows and all that kind of stuff. But then just really make sure that we know, you know, now that we know what your business is and what your business represents and sells, we figure out who your audience is. And then we make a plan to marry the two. How do we, how do we sell your product to the audience in a way that they're going to be amenable to, to a way that they're going to accept that? And that takes a little bit of time and research. You know, we're not going to write a brand new marketing plan for every for every business. A lot of them have it, but we are going to take a really good look at, at, at what you're doing and making sure that it works before we do anything. I want to go deeper in the point of you saying aligning what the business does to selling on social media, because I think the definition of that is skewed by a lot of people. So what, what does it mean to, quote unquote, sell a product on social media? Well, I think, yeah, it depends. I mean, obviously, it depends on the product. It depends on the industry. But, you know, we used to go sort of, it was a one size fits all approach. But now it's very much, you know, like, um, you know, product X. Does product X actually belong in every platform? Is it going to be beneficial? Are your customers, you know, for example, I had um, a a client that I was talking to yesterday who sells multi million dollar homes, but his target audience is very much the older generation, right? These are not first home buyers. And he's going, you know, do I need to be out there on TikTok and doing all this? And, and I just so I said, look, the people that are buying your houses are not going to be buying a house on TikTok. That's just not. Yes, there are a lot of real estate agents that sell houses on these platforms and they're very successful. But that's because the audience that they're selling those homes to are on that platform. Your audience is not. You, the realtor, would be far better off 
you know, starting to build your profile on LinkedIn. And every time that there's a rate rise or every time that there is something that happens, you know, the banks that mortgage it, you know, mortgage rates or anything like that, make a comment, build your profile as the, as the intellect in that industry. That's where your clients are going to find you. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I never thought of that. So it's that it's taking, okay, so yeah, you're a realtor, but where are your customers coming from? Are they those young 20 something first home buyers? Or are they the 60-year-old multimillionaires who are buying the $15, $20 million homes? Completely different types of people. I also think of channels as in, okay, here's your here's your like target audience. And then there's like an outer ring of people who could influence your target audience. But I think the way you approach it is, hey, let's go on the platforms first. That where my target audience is. And then once we've understood it, we're doing great on it. It's basically growing at a rate we want to, then we maybe could test out TikTok as a way to influence the kid of that parent that wants to buy a home. But that's exactly. that's a leader down the strategy. You had to first focus on the core and then build yeah. up. But what we talked about at the beginning is it all starts with focus. You can't just you can't just be, okay, we could need to be on TikTok because TikTok requires making videos, editing, all that stuff. LinkedIn requires a different type of social strategy everything requires different social and different skill sets and if you want me to spend time on tiktok that means i'm going to take away time on linkedin where you could be growing your target audience you know and it's not necessarily just social you know like, and i said to him are you building your email marketing like what's your database like because those the, the boomers the older generations they still read email right i mean all generations we know that because newsletters are successful but you know, his target audience very much in the news, in the, in the email space and, you know, some other things. So it's about understanding where your audience is and then meeting them there, not trying to force it, not trying to go, well, I know everything. It's actually going, no, no, this is where our customers are. So this is where I'm going to show up. I, I totally agree with that. And I think always start on one or two channels. I always tell people this and I know it's okay to be on a lot of channels doesn't mean you're gonna you need to have go hard on all of those channels. The channels could just be there. So if someone needs to land on your profile, they have an, a a landing page basically to land on. But you only need to really go hard on one or two platforms. Maybe you cross promote on another platform for the time being, but just go hard on one or two platforms at the start and be great at them before you could be great at anything else. Cause you understand what your audience likes on those platforms. And then you could be like, Oh, they understand this on LinkedIn. They probably going to like this on TikTok, but in a different way, or they probably going to like this on Twitter in another way or X. They probably gonna like this in IG in a different way, but go on platforms where you can learn your audience quicker. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, and like that, I said, you know, for that government client that I said, maybe you shouldn't be on threads. We do. We post once a week on threads because we just, we had a presence. We're there, but we're not investing a lot of time and effort into it because for us, there's not going to be any ROI that we can measure at this point. But yeah. So half the presence just don't feel that you need to be like full hardcore strategy multiple times a week, whatever, for every single platform. You'll burn out. It's not sustainable. How does like, that industry differ from other industries when you approach social media? How do you think about social media for tourism and hospitality? Oh, we get to have fun. Like, who doesn't want to talk about food, drink, and holidays? 
right? Like it's, you know, it's, it's why I work in this industry because we are, we're, it sounds so cheesy, but we're selling the dream, right? We're selling beautiful dining experiences, beautiful food and produce. We're selling dream holidays, dream destinations. I live in Australia and I get to market iconic Australian destinations. Like I'm living the dream, right? For a girl from Texas, I've done all right. (laughs) For us, we're lucky. There, we don't have regulations like you have, say, in the finance industry or the law, legal industry. You can post this. You can't post that. For the most part, everybody that we're dealing with is out for a good time. So they're happy people. I mean, yes, if, if something goes wrong, we definitely hear about it. But for the most part, we're dealing with people who are sharing fun experiences. And also, I mean, you know, I'm very lucky. I live in Western Australia where... We have some of the most beautiful, iconic, like my local beach is a better beach than you. some people will ever see in their lifetime. And to us, it's just like, oh, whatever, it's the local beach. And it's just where, you know, the things we have animals, we have, we have blue skies and ocean, the things that we get to sell. My job is easy on social media from the outside right? We still have to tell effective stories. We still have to convince people to come to our destination versus any other destination. I'm not just selling Perth. I'm, you know, I'm trying to sell Australia. I'm trying to sell Asia Pacific. It's, it's hard, but I definitely have a leg up over most people because I'm dealing with food and I'm dealing with happiness. It's a hard industry to break into, but once you break it, broken into, because my mom was in travel. So I've Shown a business in South Africa that sold packages to travel agents. Um, when back in the day, that was like a big thing where you used to. That was huge it. back in the yeah. day. Or before all those um, Expedia and stuff came, were there and to help. Um, so yeah, so I I know it's a it's a it's an awesome industry. It's, it's also a very competitive and. Hard to break into industry till degrading or hospitality for the love. You definitely yeah. do this industry for the love. You don't necessarily do it to make a lot of money. That's for sure, because it's a lot of hours that you put in, and um, it's hard work. But I think you know the businesses that we deal with, they deal with making people's dreams come true. And I know that that sounds cheesy, but it is. Like you know, one of our clients is a resort and a golf course and they have kangaroos that come on the golf course every day so you know a couple weeks ago we had harry kane out and he was playing golf on the golf course video of harry kane playing golf with the kangaroos went viral you can't predict that kind of stuff but when stuff like that happens you go i love my job how awesome is that i mean it's great to have a place where and this is one thing that one point even that we're not talking about travel and tourism but it's so much easier to be great at marketing or social media when you love the product you're selling, you have a passion for the industry you're in, you get up every day and be like, even though there's struggles and we're doing a lot as marketers and social media, at least like we love, like for you, you love travel, you like hospitality, you love the, you think country's beautiful. Like you get up every day and be like, okay, I have a cool product I'm selling. We're like, it's so much harder when you get up every day as a, a marketer or stuff, and it's like, I don't really believe in this product, but I have to try to sell it. I couldn't do it. I simply could not sell a product that I didn't believe in. 
I think would be very hard for me. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of people say to me, why, why do you only work on what you do? And I say for that exact reason, because if I don't believe in your product, I can't sell it. My face will give it away. And I don't, you know, if I'm not passionate about it, I, you know, I'm not, I don't like, yes, I go to the dentist, right? Because I need to go to the dentist, but I don't want to do the dentist marketing. That doesn't excite me. But there'll be other people in this world that that does excite and let them do that. You know, try and find what you're excited about. Um, I want to also ask you, because we talked about shiny object syndrome at the beginning of the podcast. And what is three to five things that you think are important for people in social to think about when they cook doing their strategy to avoid trying new things? Like what are like the one to three things that people should be thinking about right now? The first thing that you should always ask yourself is what am I trying to achieve? What is the point of this? Sure, it might be a great reel. It might be the best looking photograph. It might be a really cool blog post. But what am I trying to achieve by putting this out in the world? And if you don't have an answer to what you're trying to achieve, then you shouldn't be putting it out there in the world. And you can say, I'm not trying to achieve anything. Like not everything has to have a call to action. Some things are just brand awareness. But you need to be able to identify that this is a brand awareness piece. This is a sales piece. This is a whatever piece. So what am I trying to achieve is the big thing that I'm always asking people. The second thing is probably, to be honest with you, is just to slow down. Everything is moving so fast and changing so much that I think we need to actually slow down and put to point one, ask ourselves, what are we trying to achieve? And in all of these things that we're doing, are they actually helping us achieve the goals that we set out? Are they helping us achieve our marketing, you know, our KPIs and, and the objectives in our marketing plan? So it's just, just slow down just a little bit. And the third one is to um, not forget to have fun. I think, you know, a lot of times we take it so seriously we just, we need to have fun. It's social media, it's marketing, it's advertising. What we do is meant to bring joy to people. The way you feel and the way you are producing stuff, definitely, whether you like it or not, people could feel it on the other side of that marketing material if you're not having fun doing it. They could, there's a feeling of like, you could tell that marketer had, a f had fun doing that piece versus like a marketer. Like, I just need to put out that piece today. And look, and not every campaign is for everyone. Like, I'll be honest with you, the liquid death stuff, I don't get it. But you know what? It's not for me. And that's okay. I can still respect that they're killing it at their marketing, even if I don't get it, in air quotes, you know what I mean? Because it's not for me. But they're having fun, and I respect them. And there's many brands out there that are doing that that are having fun, they know who their target market is, and they're not afraid to go out there and, and, and have fun. I think, you know, when you get bland, when you try to talk to everyone, it just gets, yeah, you lose the fun, and you don't have to be everything to everyone. Like, have a stance. I actually love the point about you not liking liquid death. Like, I think you're probably not the ideal audience that they're trying to target, and that's okay for liquid death. Liquid death is trying to target maybe my guess is people who don't want to drink at concerts but want to like fit in and 
not be questioned. So like you carrying a, a, something that looks like a beer or an alcoholic beverage at a concert or at a party and makes you fit in with the crowd. And that's what they're selling, like fitting in. Oh, they're targeting men who don't drink water. Men who don't drink water. I totally get that. I'm a woman who drinks water. I don't want their target audience, right? Like so, of course, they, you know, but that's, but that's great. Like, not every piece of marketing has to be for everyone. Go find who your audience is and lean into it. Like, I saw something the other day. What, they, what, what did Liquid Death do? A, a Travis Barker enema kit. Like, it's friggin' brilliant. Right? Like, it's so on brand. And I'm a kid. Like, seriously, it's so on brand for Travis Barker for Liquid Dead Pita. Not for me, but it's on brand for them. And I love it. And I give them major props for doing it. I want to ask a question I ask everybody on this podcast, but what is a marketing kill you would die on? Probably, like, I'm going to get myself into into trouble for this one. But it's that we need to stop giving the grifters air. Like, just stop acknowledging them. Like, maybe that's not a hill I would die on. It's just, I'm so over some of these think boys and these these things. But I feel like by giving them air, it just gives them more. I don't know. That's not a marketing hill I would die on. It is, but it isn't. I'm just tired of the grifters. I'm tired of small businesses being taken advantage of. So maybe maybe the hill that I would die on would be more of um, probably it's just that you know that we can do that we just all need to just chill out. This is my hill at the moment. This is my it's not a mountain that I'm going to die on. It's a small hill this month. Is that okay, Daniel? Yeah, you could you could die on it this month. We could do it. Um, that we just need to slow down. Yeah, I think that is a good. I think. Um, there's a lot of pressure in marketing right now. There's a lot of changes in how businesses are measured and how budgets are allocated because we're it's not growth at all costs anymore. But at the same time, in marketers, we need to go back and say, we know what we're doing. Just go back to the basics. Just figure out our goals. Just figure out what we need to achieve. And I think we were going so fast for so long that we forgot about a lot of people, not everybody. There's great people who did yeah. this, but we forgot the fun. And I'm guilty of it too sometimes. Like sometimes I just forget the fundamentals that, hey, I just need to slow down, focus on my, the, the one or two goals, don't get spread too thin, understand my audience deeper, talk to my audience more. I, you go so fast and do so much that you forget the little things that got you to where you are or that will help you get to the next stage and by all means go have fun and try new things and you know like social media should be fun and marketing like i keep saying you're trying new things but always understand your why like why are you doing these things because at the end of the day it is business and we are here to make money right so everything that we do needs to be you know what's our why like maybe that's the hill I'll die on is everybody needs to define their why. And if you don't know why you're doing it, stop. It's like investing, right? It's like, okay, there's the tried and true stocks that you're going to invest in that, you know, like the Apples, the Googles, this is not investment advice, by the way, this is what, but, but then there's like that one stock that 
they're growing great, they're a startup or whatever, or, or like there's a, a private company that's growing great and you're like, okay, I'm going to put a small amount of my energy to this this channel or this thing and see what happens. And that's what you got to do. It's like there's tried and true channels that are you know are going to produce revenue for the business and there's one that are long shots that you always should be testing like 10% of your energy, 20% of your energy to something. I don't think managers give us enough time to play. You know, like that's something that I tell my staff every every week is, you know, like I want you to make sure that you're spending an hour a day playing. Like just go, you know, like I, I, I'm paying you to go down a rabbit hole and find new stuff or try new things. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But like if you're not out there just immersed in it, yeah, you got you got to have space to play and create. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Yeah, and you need that space to be creative. I think when you're doing so much, it's hard to take time to be creative. Creativity takes you need to clear your mind to be creative a lot of the time. And if your mind is going all over, it's hard to it's hard to be creative. Yeah, it's not like you can be like, oh, it's nine a.m. I'm going to sit down at my desk and be creative now. Yeah, that's the hard part about social too. It's like, hey, you have five posts and be creative on this. And it's like, I can't just sit down and be creative on this. I need like to take time to think about it, to brainstorm, to maybe take a walk, like whatever your creative process is. Like I, I can't just sit down right now and write you five creative posts. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Lastly for you is where could people find you, what you're doing, what you're up to? Um, I want to give you a couple minutes to talk about yourself. I used to say you could find me on Twitter because that was my place. And I'm I'm texting Meg on Twitter. Uh, but I'll be really honest with you, with everything that's happening there lately, I don't spend as much time as I used to. So if you wanted to find me on social, I'm just Meg Coffee, C-O-F-F-E-Y, um, on all of the channels. And as for me and exactly who I am, I do lots of things. Um, you hinted that I'm in Australia. Yes, I know it doesn't sound like I'm Australian. Uh, I came here as a backpacker 20 years ago and never left. But I do lots of things in Australia. I run an agency called Coffee and Tea, which works with tourism and hospitality properties. I do um, a fair bit of television and radio. I'm, I, look, I try to say humble about this because I think it sounds funny when I say it, but I'm, I'm Australia's go-to social media expert. Um, she says in her television voice. Um, so I do, yeah, I'm on, I'm on TV and, and stuff like that, you know, talking about whatever's in digital. Uh, but the thing that's probably closest to my heart is that I run State of Social, which is Australia's biggest social media conference. It's held at the end of August every year. And um, it is amazing. It is two days of learning and fun. And it is people who actually want to learn, not just talk about how amazing they are. Um, so that's savesocial.com.au. We want everybody all over the world to come. Otherwise, yeah, find me at Meg Coffee on pretty much every single platform. And congrats to you for running a conference because that is a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Look, it was um, our, our, our one that we just had was a couple of weeks ago, and I am not going to lie, I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, we had over 700 people. We had, you know, it was just, it's fantastic. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And you know, the feedback that we get is phenomenal. People say that it's the best conference they've ever been to. It's the best event in Australia. So all of the the blood, sweat, and tears is worth it when you get feedback like that, but it does kill you. 
Yeah. Well, congrats. If you if you if you want to go learn from the best social media expert in Australia, you can look what Meg's doing. And also, if you want to ever have a reason to go to Australia, there's a good social media conference there. So look it up and attend sometime. This is not tax advice, but doesn't it make the trip a tax a business expense and therefore a tax write-off if you come to a conference? I don't know. Ask your accountant about that one. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast and thank you for being up late for it because time difference is crazy, but I'm glad you could take the time and be on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad that we were able to make it happen, even if it is late at night. I am. I always love getting to talk to people and and share a little bit about what we're doing down here. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.